0: Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by a thank you. Several weeks ago, we sponsored, the episode was sponsored by a ACL. If you had a spare ACL that you could lend Jimmy G, we we would thank you. And lo and behold, Jimmy G is now walking around without crutches. What a sight to behold, especially in this dark, dark season that is the 49ers NFL 2018 season. It is a dark one. It's nice to see that there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Now, Raymond, before we get started, why don't you let them know, where can they find us?
1: You can like us on Facebook.com slash The Goldcast, and you can also subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of The Gold Cast. Like, subscribe.
0: So here we go. Uh, We are back. Hope your Thanksgiving went well. Ours did fantastic. Rem and I ate a tremendous amount of food. We hope you had a happy holiday. It's just the beginning. Come on, the rest of the holidays are around the corner. But, unfortunately, there was no Thanksgiving dessert on Sunday. We're going to get into it. We're going to talk about the 49ers at the Buccaneers. The last of the garbage bowls. The last of them. Uh, we're also going to talk about Reuben Foster. Uh, a little bit about the warriors and then we look ahead to f- the 49ers in Seattle against the Seahawks. Once again, not looking forward to that game. But as always, of course, before we get started, the Gold Cast intro. Let's get busy. San Francisco, are you ready? Are you ready? This is the Gold Boom. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the GoldCast. We are the Voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host...
1: Brayman Salisa First, baby.
0: Boom. Here we go. We're back. Here it is. All right. Let's just get into it. So here we are. We're entering the dog days of the season.
1: Back to talk about more misery.
0: Yeah. We're entering the dog days of the season if you're... A 49ers fan and your team is basically falling apart. We had four games in a row of what I had dubbed the Garbage Bowls. These were the Garbage Bowls. The first one was uh, on Sunday, several Sundays back, October 28th in Arizona against the Cardinals. The following one was the following Thursday, November 1st. Against the Raiders at home. Then back on Monday, November 12th, for New York Giants, back to back home games for the Garbage Bowls. And then we flew out today, Sunday, November 25th. We were in Tampa against the Bucks for the Garbage Bowl, the final of the Garbage Bowls. Now, when we first discussed this, Raymond, we had a big opportunity here, and I thought the 49ers really had an opportunity to rattle off possibly four wins in a row. I thought, you know, here's a great moment. We can take out the Cardinals. We can take out the Raiders, take out the Giants, take out the Bucks, and at least end the season with a little bit of dignity. After that, we've got well, what I call the—these are the Blood Bowls. So the last ones were the Garbage Bowls. Now we got the Blood Bowls. Here's the Blood Bowls. Uh, we are in Seattle— Home for Denver, back in Seattle. Home for Chicago in L.A. against the Rams. Those are the blood bowls. We had four garbage bowls. Now they're followed by blood bowls. And what I mean by that is every one of these teams is pretty damn good at football. And we have two nasty defenses in Denver and Chicago. So I really was kind of hoping, and I think a lot of the 49er faithful, we were hoping that these garbage bowls would give us an opportunity to win some games, win with some dignity, take out a couple of the really crappy teams, and, uh, you know, just pull it out. Unfortunately, Ray, it did not go that way. And we lost to Arizona, got swept by Arizona, who is now looking like maybe they're not quite as bad as they are. They are pretty bad, but may- maybe not as bad as we thought. Then we, Nick Mullins makes his debut against the Raiders. We destroy the Raiders. Then we lose to the New York Giants in heartbreaking fashion. Then we lose, then we get our ass just handed to us today against the Buccaneers. And now, instead of going 4-0 in the Garbage Bowls, we have now gone one and four. And this was one of those games where it just looked like the the Niners wanted nothing to do with it. It looked like they wanted to be anywhere but on the field. I mentioned this earlier. I don't remember if I said this on the pod. I don't know if I said it on the Goldcast or if I said it to you privately. But when we were talking about Nick Mullins, I said, I really want to see a game where he's sacked, you know, four to five times. I want to see what happens when that line breaks down and isn't able to give him protection, what does he do? how does he handle that adversity? And for the most part he played well for what he had. He didn't have much out there, but it was it was just one of these games. this game really showed me I'll tell you two games Raymond in the past week have really showed me where the 49ers are and uh, then I want to hear your thoughts on this. when I saw Kansas City against Los Angeles on Monday night, just the level of firepower, those offenses are delivering. I was I was pretty shocked. And I was like, yeah, I don't even know if at full strength the 49ers are even close to what's going on here. That was number one. Then this final game, the final round of the Garbage Bowls, Garbage Bowl 4, I really thought after we've closed out these last four weeks and seeing us lose to the bottom of the barrel of the NFL, lose badly to the bottom of the barrel of the NFL. Well, not badly, but just lose all three of the four. Really made me begin to realize that we, right, right now, as constructed, are uh, the worst the worst team in football. And uh, that was a hard pill to swallow. I know we were very excited going into the season. This was a season that 49er fans were really excited about. But this this ass whooping, this might have been the one that broke the Rudy Camel back. So, uh, yep. I uh, threw a lot at you. Go ahead. Why don't you let me know what you think about this final round against the Bucks? What are your feelings? What are your thoughts? What did you see?
1: Well, the team doesn't travel well, obviously. And I think that last year, this was an easier pill to swallow because it was the first year. We knew what we were getting into. We knew... What the team was prior to Shanahan and Lynch taking over, so there was little to no expectation into the season. We knew that we were simply putting some pieces together, jettisoning pieces that didn't fit, and looking to rebuild piece by piece. It was a, it was going to be a methodical process, which it still is. And this year, it's harder. It's less of like, well, this is kind of what I expected. It's like now it's just kind of reinforcing what we already knew last year and that the team is very much not even close to competing. And I think that part of the frustration for me is like, well, it's like, it's, it's almost like salt on the wound or kicking a horse when you're down. It's just like, all right, well, I already knew that the secondary was really bad. It's, it's the same group from last year. So, And none of them can stay healthy. Jimmy Ward, we now lost him for the season, second time in a row. So I think he's he's kind of used all his lifelines, and you need to move on from him. So that I think that's going to be a done deal at the end of the year. Eric Armstead seems to be making it through the season, but not necessarily being impactful, although he's – seems okay he seems shows flashes here and there but I mean he had two three opportunities you know one for a sack two for TFLs in the first half alone that would have been amazing if he'd have done it I mean we still got some we still managed to stop the run pretty well but there was a couple plays where he had penetrated quickly and just wasn't able to finish the play and elite players are able to finish the play because they have better technique and they're polished and you know, I think that his inability to finish those plays, and this is more of a micro observation of, of a larger problem, but his inability to finish the play is indicative of the team's inability to finish games, you know, that result in a W. And so we're just kind of running the same circle that we did last year, only it's more frustrating now because we already know how bad the team is. We know what pieces do well and what pieces don't do well, although with Although Kittle showed flashes last year, this year he's playing at a Pro Bowl level, so there's progress there. Nick Mullins, you know, he played okay, but he pretty much, you know, uh, that was more or less a C.J. Beathard performance, although C.J. might have given the ball up one or two more times more if it was him playing. But uh, under pressure, it's really hard for a quarterback to establish rhythm. You know, our running game seemed to be doing well, but the passing game wasn't doing much. And this was against a team that's not very good defensively, offensively. They're the best passing, uh, the best passing team in the league. So even if you make them one dimensional, they still have that to lean on, and they're not they're not afraid to lean on that. So you really do have to get pass pressure in order to slow them down, regardless of whether it's Ryan Fitzpatrick or Jameis Winston back there. So we weren't able to do uh, any of that, much of that, at all. So it was just. You know, another game where there's just not a not a whole lot going on. There's just missing pieces that that aren't complementing one another, and existing pieces that aren't doing much of anything. So it, that it's just you know, I I don't know. I don't, well, what do we do at this point? Let's, let's just let's beat a dead horse. Yeah. We need a new quarterback. Nick Mullins could be a serviceable backup. He made bad throws. There was the one late in the game in the end zone that he made that was that, you know, killed any opportunity of us really trying to climb back into it or salvage some dignity from, you know, losing by uh, losing by the score that we did. So uh, that was a, that was very much a CJ Beathard throw. And there's a couple throws he makes too, where it seems like he's kind of gun it. It almost reminds me of Brett Favre, you know, Brett Favre no one's thrown more picks than Brett Favre, but he managed to do it in a fashion where he won more often than he didn't. But this early in your career, that kind of gunslinging gets get you in a lot of trouble very easily in this league. And we saw that happen a couple times. You know, Breda had a good game. Uh, I think he's a good back. He's not an elite back, but he's definitely an above-average back. You know, he averaged 7.6 yards today, which is great to see. But, uh, but it's just kind of more the same. And it's going to kind of be like that from the rest of the way out. And it's not going to change until, you know, the draft. We get some decent people in the draft. You know, although, you know, but DeForest Buckner, I think, is on his way to a Pro Bowl. He got another, he had another sack and two TFL. So he did exactly what, what uh, Eric Armstead should have done. He ended up getting two TFLs and one sack, whereas Eric Armstead missed on all three of those opportunities. Kawun Williams, Joel kosky Tart had TFLs. Elijah Lee had a TFL. You know, the, the team was also coming off of the the fact that they lost Ruben Foster because he couldn't keep couldn't keep uh, couldn't keep in line with uh, not only the league policy, but also the team policy, and he got what he deserved. It's unfortunate, but that's kind of the pill that everyone has to swallow. So now that sets us back in in terms of, although Fred Warner's very good, he's not necessarily, doesn't have the explosive potential that Reuben Foster did coming out of the draft. So we need, once again, we need to go into the draft looking, I think they need to focus on defense. Simple as that. I think the offense is totally serviceable. It's obviously above average when Jimmy G's back there. So come draft time, which is now, now it's time of the year where we need to start thinking about it. Uh, They need to go defense first. That's what I would do.
0: So that's the part I was gonna ask you about is the defense. I was gonna talk about that. So here we are. We now have the first pick in the draft. And the question is, what do we what do we do with this first pick in the draft? So, you know, uh the unofficial third member of the Gold Cast, I was talking to our father, Rudy Sleece Jr. And we were talking about the, the uh the draft and he was saying, Do we go defense? Do we go offense? Where do we go? And I said, and I think no matter what in this, no matter what happens in this, uh, after this season, there's a couple things we need. We need some type of versatile back. and Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, you know, maybe even a girl. We need somebody versatile that really can add another de- layer of depth to the offense and create a third weapon for Jimmy G or whoever's quarterbacking for us back there, you know, a third weapon. And I think primarily, a-
1: yeah, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend a number one pick on that.
0: Well, hold on, hold on. We're going to, we're going to get there. Let me get there. We, you know, we need somebody that like, like a Saquon Barkley, someone that can just come, that's ready, made ready to go right from day one off, often add that, add that third layer, right? Someone to balance Goodwin Kittle uh, possibly Jerick McKinnon if he comes back, you know, and whoever else we pick up in free agency. But we obviously need another middle linebacker. We need a pass rusher and we need some cornerbacks. So, what's the what what do we draft? If you're 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 the GM, Ray. You're the GM of the 49ers. You and John Lynch are sitting up there, buddies. mano. Y mano. here we go. Let's make this happen. 2019 Quest for 6. What do you guys do? What what do you draft? What what what's a, what's a, let's just go with like your first your first three picks. What are your first three picks? If if let's just pretend every kind of player is available to you. You so you have the first three picks. What would you do?
1: You're 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 either going with the first two. Not even I'll get to the third one, but with the first two, two, you're pass rush and secondary. The best the best available at, at in pass rush and pass coverage available that's who we need for those first two picks it whichever one comes first the best available the third pick is kind of a toss-up between I think you probably probably go offense with third pick but uh if if there's another defense I would I don't know if I doubt that they go off I doubt that they go defense three players in a row so I think you go past Russia and secondary I think it's it's almost and it's for me in my opinion it's a no-brainer that's what you need you have Jarek McKinnon. He is coming back. That was what we paid him to do because that is his specialty. There's no, there's obviously no guarantee that he'll become uh, a Melvin Gordon the third or a Todd Gurley or a Saquon Barkley. But that's what we brought him in to do, and we brought him in, brought him in to do that as a one-two punch with Matt Breda, who obviously is proving that he can do it despite having a nagging ankle injury all season long. He's still producing at a fairly high level level and pretty much is the workhorse of our fourth rank running uh, rushing offense in the NFL, which is great. That's great. But uh, Jarek McKinnon, I think he's going to fulfill that role. So, you know, I I think they need to look at wide receiver again because you're obviously going to get rid of Pierre Garcon after the season. They already, they already tried to trade him earlier. And I think you kinda of, you probably want to think about moving Marquise Goodwin. He just can't seem to stay healthy and he's he's very streaky. Sometimes he's good, sometimes he's not. And you don't want that. You want consistency. You want you want George Kittles at every position. And he just doesn't fulfill that. So I think you move on from Goodwin, you move on from Garcon, you get a wide receiver in that third spot, that third draft pick. For sure, you know if, if he's available, then that's what I would do. Running back might come in the fourth round, if anything, because the ones we've picked so far, none of them have really panned out. George Kittle's been the bright spot. Kelly Witherspoon is hit and miss, mostly miss.
0: I mean, how many games do we see where Witherspoon does some back-breaking uh, pass interference to, right in the fourth quarter when we really need him to just be a lockdown and just just service and make it. Just make it so that the wide receiver doesn't catch the ball. And it's always like on third and third and long, or third and short. Witherspoon comes in and he does some backbreaking pass interference that screws the whole thing up and enables the other team to score. How many times have we seen him do this already?
1: Well, it's like you're damned if you're doing, you're damned if you don't, right? if if you take the penalty, you know, you're, they're committing the penalty because if they don't commit the penalty, they're potentially giving up a huge play, you know, like a touchdown pass in the reds in the end zone. But at the same time, you commit the penalty, you give them amazing field position like 30, 40 yards. And they've already covered, you know, they've already they get they get half a field covered in one play off of a penalty. So it's a brutal penalty. Um, I'm not sure sh- they might need to need to tweak that that penalty. Rule now because of how they've they've tipped everything in favor of the offense, you know, maybe like give it a 10 or a 15 and automatic first down or something like that. But spotting the ball at the spot of the foul is now seems a little too strict given the current meta of the rules and how it affects the meta of the game. I think everything is way too stacked. and so I think a counterbalance to that particular penalty, especially when it applies to someone like young, young corners trying to learn the second hardest position in football, I think you have to offset it by taking scaling back the, the yardage penalty that's associated with that uh, that penalty, that foul.
0: Agreed, 100%. Let's uh, I want to touch on something else that you mentioned a little bit earlier. Mr. Reuben Foster, I saw the, I saw the alert on Bleacher Report late last night, probably well, not too late, probably around like 9 o'clock, 9.30, and I sent it out, you know, to all you guys, to all the, my you and the rest of the faithful that were all on these group texts, and I knew, right when I saw, I said, oh, well, he's done, he is done, and John Lynch released a statement this morning that uh, one of the, I'm paraphrasing, but one of the, um, the uh, the rules that they you know the guidelines that they follow by is you know always protect the team and Ruben Foster did not protect the team didn't protect himself really and kind of a shame and I think a a telltale sign that I just don't think this guy is ever going to really pan out to be anything other than uh, a troublemaker who uh, has a lot of talent but is more interested in making mistakes than living up to his talent. What do, what do you think about Ruben Foster being cut this morning?
1: It's unfortunate. You know, we are hoping you're hoping that the previous incident is all you really need in order to, you know, get your head straight and get your career in gear, especially when it comes to a toxic relationship. And this was a, I mean, if a woman tried to falsify domestic violence allegations on me, I would not continue to date her. But that's just that's a testament to his immaturity or lack of lack of maturity. Or, uh, well, that's right. His immaturity, and that's unfortunate for him. You know, you got to grow up, and sometimes growing up requires really hard lessons. And you know, failure is the greatest teacher, and unfortunately, it has to come at a pretty hard fail for Ruin Foster to really hopefully get it in, get it in gear. And I hope to see him back in the league. It'll, it'll, it'll be unfortunate if he comes back and is able to live up to his to his hype on a different in a different uniform, but. If he doesn't, then, uh, then we know where his head's at, and you get what you deserve. If you can't, you can't play straight, you, you can't stay straight, you can't play straight. So um, that, uh, that was just another moral blow. I mean, I'm assuming a lot of guys were awake when that happened, you know, and just to see, like, oh, man, you know, now you got to go into the game with a guy. He, he wasn't going to play anyways, so it's not like he was ready to go. He was listed. He was ruled out. But at the same time, it's just you know, just salt on the wound. It's just like God, like we just can't, we just can't seem to get. it. If you're a Niner, if you're on that team, you got to be thinking like, gosh, how come we just can't pull it together? And part of it is because you guys have there's players on this team that absolutely suck, that are just complete trash, and they need to be they need to be removed. They're either too old or they're just not good enough. You know, and it, it's every position. There's there's at least one of them at every position. And this is this is just where we're at, you know, right now now I'm looking I'm like, can't wait for the draft. can't wait for the draft. That's what I'm saying now. That's the only thing worth seems to be the only thing worth rooting for at this point.
0: Yeah, and I think that's where everybody is. Everyone's at that level where it's now it's about the draft. I feel like the 49 er faithful. Ha- I feel like the team and the faithful are at the same spot. Everybody, Feels like it's a lost season. We're all going through the motions because we love this team and we're here for this team. But at the same time, this is a lost season and it's done. And so now oh, you're right. Like we're saying, everyone's looking ahead to the draft and let's hope something can happen. But let's talk in a little bit more positive news. Let's talk about our friends down in well, not down. I <laughs> say across in Oakland, uh the Golden State Warriors soon to be home back in San Francisco next season. Raymond, they finally string together two wins in a row and bounce back. Let me ask you a question. Were you worried at all during this stretch? I wasn't. Were you?
1: No. They're miss they're missing two All Stars, including an MV a two time MVP. So they're missing they're 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 missing the defensive player of the year and a two time league MVP. So when you're missing two out of your all-star lineup, it I don't care how good you are. If you if you're missing your best defensive player and your best offensive player next to Kevin Durant, yeah, it's games are going to be very challenging. They're going to be challenging defensively and they're going to be challenging offensively, and we saw that. We saw that happen with the four-game losing streak. So it was nice to see them blow out the Blazers who, you know, are unfortunately just they're always going to be stuck at, at McCollum and, and uh, what's this other, the other kid from Oakland who plays for them, Damon Lillard. They're always just going to be as good as those two guys because they can't seem to find any other complementary pieces to, to really bolster that team. And then the Kings actually played uh, the Warriors really well. And then Clay Thompson came in with a clutch game-winning shot there at the end, and KD went off for 40-plus points. So that was awesome. It was awesome to see, and and you know, to make a long story short, I wasn't really worried. It's just like, all right, well, it's just a matter of time. So it, to me, it's just like, all right, when which game is it going to be where they're going to kind of pull themselves together? Because that's a sport where you only work, you only need five pieces to work cohesively to be successful, versus baseball and football that need nine and eleven. So it's a lot harder. To keep that gel going, psychologically speaking and athletically speaking, but for the for the Warriors, it's only a matter of time—you know, being a very short matter of time—before the pieces can come together and make things work. Then, and it, it's a testament to a how their coach, the the team philosophy, the the lack of egos, the lack of divas on this team, and the fact that they do have a lot of talented players on on the starting lineup and on the second and third units. And so they're able to, you know, sometimes I think the Draymond thing kind of affected their losing streak. But at the same time, they're also playing without the best defensive offensive player on the team. So that's that can't if it'd be impossible for that to have this zero effect on this team. This team typically doesn't do as good without Curry. Curry stretches the floor. He's he's the offensive facilitator. He also he gives he makes defenses think he stretches defenses so so effectively that that's why their offense is so lethal. Because now you have to worry about his shooting, Clay shooting, Durant shooting, and when Boogie comes back in, you're gonna have to worry about his shooting too, and his 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 presence in the paint. But as it stands right now, you don't have all three of those pieces, so things are gonna be tough. But uh, I think them being the Blazers and the Kings is exactly where they, what they needed in order to kind of get back on track.
0: Agreed. And I wasn't worried either. Let me ask you another question. You know, in our last episode, we talked at length about the, uh, the situation between uh, Draymond and KD. Do you think it's, um, it's, uh, it means anything now? Do you think it's water under the bridge at this point, two wins in a row, Draymond really hasn't been playing. Gives him a little bit of space, time to cool down. kitties, seems to be greatly annoyed every time someone mentions it. Do you think this issue has been buried? Is it? Can we put it behind us? I'm not saying the media won't. They probably won't. But can the Warriors put it behind them?
1: Or have they? I think they have. I mean the the fact is this happened early in the season so I don't expect that to have a long term effect on the team and I think it's better that it happened at this point in the season versus later and you know once curry comes back and draymond comes back and they start playing and like clay thompson said you know is it once this team starts to string together a bunch of wins like they like they did coming out coming out of the gate in the start of the season then this is all going to be forgotten and who knows? I mean, the, a lot of people saying that KD is going to leave. He could, very, he could very much stay. Uh, you know, uh, there's a chance he might stay too. Just as, just as much as there's a percentage chance that he might leave and go somewhere else based on what he said and what's been alluded to and what the rumor mill saying. There's also a percent, you know, there's also a, a probability that he stays too. And it's just a matter of, you know, seeing how things pan out in the off season. But for now, he's a warrior. And for now, we're trying to get three in a row. And if we get three in a row, I think it's going to be hard, it's going to be hard not to stay if they pull off another win. Same, same thing if they lose. If they were to lose— Because the then you've got to go for four finals, in a row, baby. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you've got to keep raising the bar. But even if they lose, I mean, that's something, too. It's like, well, I don't want to go down like this. I want to go down on top.
0: And all this is please say, KD, stay. Stay KD. Screw what Draymond said. Get over it. You're a big boy. We're all grown men. Stay. All right, here we go. Raymond. We're nearing the end of the gold cast of this week. Not not of the podcast in general, but of this week. We have finished, as I mentioned earlier, the garbage bowls. And now, Ray. God. Now we're heading into the Blood Bowls. This is a murders. Row. For those of us who didn't catch it in the beginning of the episode, let me go through this one more time for you. December 2nd, at Seattle. December 9th, home for Denver. December 16th, home for Seattle. December 23rd, home for Chicago. December 30th, at LA against the Rams. The this You've got... Two very nasty defenses in Denver and Chicago. L.A. has been finding its defensive stride again. Uh, Aqib Tlaib should be back by then, which will make them that much more formidable, and there's a good chance they're fighting for their playoff lives, at least for seeding at that point. And then we have a Seahawks team that just won't go away this year. That is, They've been pretty scrappy, and uh, Russell Wilson's been playing really well, and that team has managed to... Uh, you know they've been streaky, they've been up and down, but they've pulled out some wins, and I definitely think they're a f- more formidable team than we are right now. These last five games, I am dubbing the Blood Bowls. We went from the Garbage Bowls to the Blood Bowls. These are some nasty teams in front of us, all very good, all with a chance to be in the playoffs. Chicago's number one in the NFC North. LA is number one in the NFC West. Denver is, uh, Denver's, Four and six. I I can't remember if they lost today or not. Uh, They're four and six or four and seven or five and six. But Denver Denver's better than their record suggests. And Seattle has just been really scrappy. So, Raymond, uh, let's take a look ahead. How do you feel? First of all, what do you think the Vegas line is, if you were to take a guess?
1: Denver won today, by the way. They beat Pittsburgh. Okay,
0: so they're five and six. Close, very much reaching 500. So, Ray, Seattle, where do you think the Vegas line is put San Francisco at Seattle? If you were a betting man, what would you say the line is?
1: Somewhere between 13 and 7 points. Probably 10.
0: Give me an an exact number. 10?
1: Uh, let's, Let's say 11.
0: You had it right the first time. It was 10. But 11 oh. is damn close. <laughs> All right, so here's the question, Ray: Do you take that bet?
1: Yeah, I would take that bet. That's a good bet. It's almost a surefire bet at this point.
0: <laughs> See,
1: <laughs> it's pretty easy these days.
0: Yeah. So you, you would you so would you take the over or the under?
1: Yeah, you definitely. <laughs> you probably want to take the over. I would take the over. There's a chance they win by 14 or 13.
0: Oof. Oh God. Oh, yeah. Things are, things are that that. bad. I knew you were, uh, yeah. Seattle just has Seattle is just a lot more put together than we are at this point.
1: Yeah. Even though they're older, they're, they, they have experience and they have their
0: quarterback. Their quarterback is healthy.
1: So that makes a world of a difference. If Russell Wilson was not in there, this would be, you know, different ball club.
0: Absolutely. Now, Raymond, we have a we kind of abandoned our favorite game this year. We started it and then we completely abandoned it, which was our playoff predicts. We we literally have only done so. Uh, we only did one week. So the very first week, this was week nine. You said the New York Giants and the Oakland Raiders are out, and the Chiefs and the Rams are in. I said Arizona. And the Oakland Raiders are out. And then I said New Orleans was in. And I said New Orleans and who on earth? Can't even see my own writing. I'm just going to say it's, let's just say it's Pittsburgh. I, I could go back and check the podcast, but we're not that kind of podcast. We don't, we don't ever recheck what we've said on the podcast. We never do that. That's where it's completely against our rules here. So if I say I said it on a on, a, on a gold cast, a previous gold cast, whether or not I actually said it is inconsequential. All that matters is I believe I said it. And so, therefore, that's the law of what was said. Do you agree?
1: Yep. That sounds about right.
0: Oh, no, it was New England. I said it was New England. Okay, that's what it was. So, Raymond, we've got some catching up to do here. We've got one, two, three weeks worth of prediction predictions. So give me three more teams, or I should say, six more teams three from the afc three from the nfc that are not going to the playoffs and who
1: did i pick for the nfc
0: last time you picked the giants the giants for the nfc and the raiders for the afc
1: yeah uh niners are out for sure cardinals are out for sure lions are out for sure on the nfc side on the afc side the jets the jags and the bills
0: Okay, then who's in?
1: How many do I get to pick to put in?
0: 3 each, baby.
1: Well, I said Chiefs, P- Chiefs, Pats, Saints, Rams. So, I think right now the way it's standing now, NFC you know, I think it's Bears, Redskins.
0: Well, no, you hold on, hold on. You already said that you already said the Chiefs and the Ray, right, you already said you already said you already said that the Chiefs and the Rams. You got to give me three more AFC, three more NFC.
1: Well, then Pats and Saints and then, or I'd say, Pat Steelers Chargers, and then the NFC side Saints, Redskins, Bears.
0: Wow! So you think Washington over Dallas? Interesting. Interesting. Here's who I say uh, for who's out on the NFC side: San Francisco, New York Giants, Detroit. On the AFC side, Buffalo. Uh, New York Jets and Cleveland Browns. Try to mix it up. So I already said New England and New Orleans. I agree that the Chiefs are definitely in. I agree that Pittsburgh is definitely in. Obviously the LA Rams are in, and then my third pick Bears. I'm gonna keep it safe. I'm gonna save my my wild cards for later, but. I I don't I don't know if uh I don't know if Washington is in yet. I I think actually I I would I would say that um I would say that the the Cowboys if if Alex Smith was still healthy, I would agree with you. But without Alex Smith, I think that is the for the Cowboys taking. We're going to see. We going to see. But uh that was good. Those are good picks there. Obviously, we're a little bit later into the season a little bit easier, but we still we still have, uh, still have some more picks to go here. All right, Raymond. So concludes another edition of the Goldcast. Now, before we leave, why don't you let them know? Where can they find you?
1: You can find me on Twitter.com at Ray Solis. That's probably the best place. I'm on Instagram, but that's, that's, more, that's stick to Twitter. <laughs>
0: And you can find me on Instagram, at Rudy RudySolis3, and you can find me on Twitter, at Rudy RudySolis3RD. So concludes another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Solis third, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Solis the First, baby. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same Goldcast time, same Goldcast. This is, this is the
1: Goldcast.